Yeah, look, I think the lesson we can take from this is go to Philly, get arrested. Yep. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We've got a lot of bits of news to wrap up from around the league and then as promised, this is our draft day special. So we're going to go through some of the prospects, all three of our drafts, where we differ. Uh, spoiler alert, we don't really have a consensus agreement on any pick. Uh, and we'll talk you through all the top prospects and who might be joining your team this year. So hey guys, we've got Connor here, we've got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? Hi, Grand. Uh, no, quite enough week um, so far after shenanigans at the weekend. Mm. Uh, all the fundraiser and stuff went well, went very well. Uh, <laughs> had a bit of a rough uh, rough Sunday, but had uh, Monday <laughs> off to recover, so that was nice. Um, oh, not bad at all. Yeah, no, it's weird going back on the weekly recording schedule now. I'm like, what did I do? Like, it was all right beforehand where I was like, I've got months of information to fill. Now I'm back to, on a week-to-week basis, I just go to work and get drunk. Yeah. Very exciting lives that we all lead here in Ireland. What about yourself, Fitz? How's all that in Cork? Did your did your launch go well? Yeah, it went fine. Uh, nothing blew up or whatever like that. Uh, had a performance review this week, uh, which basically came down to if we give you money, you won't leave, right? Uh, <laughs> so it went pretty well overall. So the milky bars are on you. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, quite enough on this side as well. Did the rock climbing last week? It was fun. Uh, arms were dead for about three days afterwards. But uh, now a card-carrying rock climber. So means I can go and do it anytime I want, uh, in theory. I'll need to find someone to bolster me that is not my <laughs> my fiancé who weighs half just, my weight and immediately gets ping-ponged into the air <laughs> if I fall off a wall. Just uh, drop it at an inopportune moment. You know? Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, outside of that, just, just flat out at work, getting a few bits of busy done and trying to get some college work finished up as well party times uh, oh I did go out for uh, emergency testing out to leak slip on Friday so basically if there's a problem we all have to go out to like a HP off site to, uh, to, to work from there uh, it was quite different from the middle of town there were bunny rabbits out there we were sitting at lunchtime and they have like a big glass front uh, so there's bunny rabbits running around and then about 15 minutes into lunch we saw a fox knocking around and then of course everyone up out of their seats and watching as the fox chases down this flock of rabbits and eventually catches one so he got his lunch as well that was the most exciting thing very fun all kicking off down in Leeds slip these days oh yeah it's mad crazy <laughs> altogether. Uh, so we'll pop onto the news and then into our draft stuff so a uh, couple of bits of news uh, Cleveland's Jarvis Landry is getting paid like a superstar. He's got a five-year, $75.5 million contract with $47 million guaranteed. He's going to be the fifth highest paid receiver in the league. Uh, it's it's a hell of a lot of money. Like I don't think he's produced enough to justify this level of payment, but I suppose we have discussed that wide receivers seem to be just getting paid these days, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's still crazy money, considering that he's like he's, he's a good receiver, but he's... Showing he can, he's likely to be a slot receiver, like he's not a true X. And Cleveland just have money to burn this. They, they can afford to do this. And I think when you're in a position like you're Cleveland, you're like, look, we're building something we're probably not going to compete for a year or two. You kind of have to throw big money around. So I think this is what they needed to do. I think this is probably, there was always, I think, an underlying presumption that when he went to Cleveland, he was going to get mm-hmm. paid. 
he's got paid. I think it's way too much money, to be honest with you. But I think that's if you're in the Browns' position, mm. you've got to compensate somehow for the struggle. I believe he's one of four receivers or one of four players to have over a hundred catches and under a thousand yards in the last twenty years. He's the only one who was in a running back. <laughs> yeah, all the rest of them were just running backs catching little screen passes. But uh, he does probably like pairing this with the very large. Uh, Mike Evans contract this probably means that we know the bottom end of the market for the upcoming Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, deal and also Brandon Cooks who's looking to get re-upped in, in LA so are we expecting them to be significantly more than this like th- does this guarantee we're going to have Beckham getting 20 million a year well Odell Beckham's agent certainly would believe so and Odell Beckham himself certainly does would, would believe so as well considering that Odell is not just probably one of the best receivers in the league and certainly better than Jarvis Landry uh, but he's also such a huge part of the you know brand of the New York Giants franchise at this point he is a he's a you know phenomenon by himself mm-hmm. in terms of selling jerseys and all that type of stuff um, in terms of the Giants situation of course as we'll discuss in the draft stuff a lot of changes could be upcoming but there's no doubt that regardless if it's Eli or some new quarterback playing next season or the season after, having a player like Odell Beckham Jr. is essential to that. So you imagine the Giants will pay out. But obviously this offseason stuff with the with the uh, <clears throat> potential drug usage uh, and obviously his attitude problems at times will give some reason for concern. But I think... Uh, the talent is just too great not to give him that money, basically. No, of course. When you're talking about kind of big names selling jerseys and faces of the franchise, Dallas have released wide receiver Des Bryant. This follows a kind of an entire off-season of discussions about whether or not he'd be staying there, whether or not he'd have to take a pay cut. Uh, he had a meeting with Jerry Jones last Friday in which uh, reports suggested there was no discussion of a pay cut. It was just a sit-down meeting to discuss... Uh, conscious uncoupling uh, between them <laughs> so uh, this is then followed up there's been a number of teams who have been linked to him uh, I think four or five teams have been have been mentioned he's come out and very directly said he doesn't want to play for Green Bay for some reason um, he says there's too much history there um, he also came and gave quite a candid interview following his release from the team to uh, NFL Network in which he said that he believed it was members of I believe team captains and some of Garrett's guys that were pushing to get him out of there so that means we're talking about Dak Prescott and uh yeah like that like that's a big issue if you're considering that he's been pushed out by the players who are the captains of that team and stuff as well that doesn't say anything great about him right no it doesn't um I mean, Des has for a long time been one of those players that's always been like, oh, is he a diva, is he a locker room cancer, whatever. And it always seems to have been okay because he's performed, but he really has struggled for the last few seasons with injury. His output has dropped off, and you wonder if that kind of means that people are running out and sort of running out of patience with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Garrett doesn't seem to be making himself particularly popular. I mean, it's worrying if it's the, the, the underlying thing of like, oh, you know, the coaches' guys versus the players. It's like... Is that a sign that there is perhaps a divided locker room beyond just Des Bryant? And he's mm-hmm. just a symptom of it because he's in a further post-production. He was overpaid at this point, so he, he was the fall guy. And he's kind of hinting at something larger going on. I don't know. I would suspect that probably is the case because Dallas is a non-stop drama factory. Yeah. But um, look, at, at the end of the day, I, I don't think... I don't really buy that in the sense that this is what led to his release. I think it was just he was overpaid for his output recently. Mm-hmm. And they decided it was time to part ways. Yeah, no, of course. Probably didn't help, though. 
yeah, and like like it's Dallas. So not only they full of drama, but they're always up against the cap, and they usually need these things for various players. I think on the O line is where they need to invest, and they gave a lot of money to Demarcus Lawrence on the tag this year. Uh, but the thing is, like you know, it does leave Dallas very bare at the position. Like their top receiver is now what like. Cole Beasley, Alan Hearns, like quality, it's not, it's not a not a fearsome set of receivers there. Um, and considering Dak Prescott struggles last season, you imagine that the uh, load on Ezekiel Elliott could be even higher than it has been in previous years to try and compensate for this loss. So interesting times in Dallas, and obviously that could have a big effect on who they end up drafting uh, in a week. So yeah, no, of course. Uh, some other transactions from around the league: uh, linebacker Eric Kendricks from Minnesota has been given a five-year, fifty million dollar contract of twenty-five million guaranteed. Uh, this seems like good business uh, in my head. He's a very important part of the team. That's a pretty good number given that they've got a number of players coming up that they're going to have to lock down in the next two or three years I think this is just smart from Minnesota yeah it's not yeah bad. I think oh sorry yeah like I think you know he's, he's he's grown into his role over a couple of seasons I think they have a nucleus as we know on that defence of elite talents or certainly very good talents that together play very well and they have a coach who's able to get the best out of them so I think you know, ten million per year for an inside linebacker. It's not necessarily cheap, but it's not bad value if he continues to play up to the level he has and continues to be a Pro Bowl level player. Mm. Uh, but hopefully, not attending the Pro Bowl from the Vikings' perspective because they'll be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's true. And New Orleans have signed Cameron Meredith after Chicago chose not to match the two-year, ten million dollar offer. Meh, like seems fine. Breeze, Breeze will make him look good. Yeah, like I think solid, solid enough signing, nothing spectacular. As I said, sometimes these kind of players who can come in and be rotational players can be the difference. New Orleans are looking to make a run over the last two years with, with Breeze, so makes a bit of sense. Uh, Seattle, your boys, have decided to sign Seabass on a one-year contract. Uh, he missed most of last year with a back injury, possibly all of last year. Um, are you happy with this signing, Fitz? Uh, I'm hoping like there's a lot more rain in Seattle, so I don't know how that'll play to his arthritis or whatever. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like yeah, it, it's a solid kicker. I think he'll be competing against Jason Myers probably. That's who they have the other player. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing about someone like Janikowski because he doesn't have the uh, Blair Walsh problem of being a notable choker. Even if he misses a few kicks, it won't become a big deal to the same scale, I imagine. So. Just having a veteran presence everywhere, you know, name brand the kicker, even if he's even if he's only league average, people won't notice it as much as they would with someone like Blair Walsh. Yeah, it's fair enough. Uh, Kansas City signed running back Kenyon Williams on a one-year deal. Uh, this is just kind of depth. That means they've now got five or six running backs on the roster. Expect them not all to be there afterwards. This could be to free up a player to go in a trade during the draft, or it could also be a reflection that. Uh, Chuck Hendrick West, or sorry, not Chuck Hendrick West, um, Spencer Ware's recovery might not be going as well as hoped, as this would be someone to be possibly competing for that because he's not much of a pass catcher. Uh, Denver released running back CJ Anderson, fuck it, so the Chiefs might sign him as well. <laughs> and uh, the Jets have released Matt Forte after a failed physical designation. So all the running backs kind of getting shuffled around or shuffled out the door just in advance of the draft. As we've mentioned a couple of times beforehand, a lot of cheap running backs have found a lot of success from the later rounds of the draft I'd imagine that they're just probably not looking they're not going to be able to find homes for a long time until maybe injuries in camps if they find any yeah I think with CJ Anderson in particular that's a contract he signed a few years ago that was like it wasn't top of the market but it was fairly generous but I think the way teams are going they're going for larger backfields all on cheap 
one-year, two-year contracts and the kind of four-year contract CJ Anderson is you know, becoming more and more rare except for those truly elite talents that merit it. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, over to crime and punishment, we've had a few bits in here. So Philadelphia cornerback Darren Worley was arrested after being found unconscious in a car on the highway. Uh, there was reports that he might have gotten into an altercation with police and there was also separate reports out that there might have been a weapon. Uh, he might have had a, a gun with him at the time. Uh, so Philadelphia decided to cut him immediately. Uh like, I don't think we're going to see him landing on any rosters until this gets cleared up, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a lot to unpack here. Like, he was unconscious, but also fighting the police and also had a gun. Yeah. And I'm like, that, I don't think all of those things happened. That seems like an odd sequence. Well, he could be unconscious when they find him and then very disoriented when he wakes up to find himself surrounded by armed police. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> it's but, a really like, bad dream. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the lesson we can take here is... Hey, we've, we've, you guys have all got guns. I've got a gun too. We can be buddies. Goes to get it. That's Goes poorly. Very American. Um, yeah, look, I think the lesson we can take from this is go to Philly, get arrested. Yep, probably. Seems to be working for all their trades, so... Yeah, Mark Sanchez has uh, also gotten himself in trouble this week. He's been uh, received a four-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs, which he clearly forgot to take. Uh, <laughs> This presumably harms his chances of landing on a roster as a backup, right? Well, zero minus anything, I mean, like, it's mm. still less than zero. What's it, the, the, the greatest ability is availability, isn't it? And now he's not even that. So. Yeah, but the second greatest ability is not being Mark Sanchez, so like... That's true, that's true. It's a wash. Yeah. Uh, controversy corner, so we've had a few more... Uh, Stories about kneeling. So, uh, kneeling issues arose during Eric Reed's visit to Cincinnati, who decided to uh, raise the issue with the safety and say, had he made a decision to not do it, he refused to answer, uh, continued with his trip around the facilities, met the coaches and stuff like that. Then, at the end, the head coach asked him, is there anything you'd like to clarify for the management, uh, particularly around something like the kneeling? And he said no. So they've decided that that is just unacceptable. They only hire those at the highest moral standards in Cincinnati and uh, that he would have to go and find somewhere else to, to, to ply his trade uh, while they then discussed whether or not uh, they want to cut uh, some of their more colourful players like Vontaze Burfecht uh, in the side. No, he's worth yeah. the $16 million we could save. Like, yeah, yeah, like, Fonda's perfect. You could literally be saving 11 million against the cap, and you're not doing that, but kneeling, apparently, uh, getting, you know, a pretty good, like, safety for basically peanut, like pennies on the dollar at the moment. Yeah, that's that's too far. Come mm. on, Cincinnati. Yeah, Colin. <laughs> I, what do I say? I expect better, but I don't. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Seattle then uh, decided that they wanted. They, they, they kind of went for the. Is, is is that a bad look? Hold my beer. Uh, they decided to invite Kaepernick in for a tryout. Uh, decided they wanted to find out what his stance on the kneeling and the lawsuit were. He said, "I don't know yet." So Seattle said, "No, thank you." Uh, so he was not even. I think brought in for the thing. I think they cancelled the actual. Uh, <coughs> I think they cancelled the actual meeting request. Isn't that right, Fitz? Yeah, so there's like conflicting reports. I think Adam Schefter from ESPN indicated that they basically straight up asked, like, what's your plans for the kneeling? And when he wouldn't confirm that he would not stop kneeling, that they basically cancelled on him. Whereas Ian Rappaport said it was more of a, uh, you know, just just asking, just trying to get clarifications on generally what his future is, maybe kind of implying that he's more focused on his off-field activities now and he's not really, his head isn't in the game, as it were. Um Needless to say, either way, the Seahawks PR team made an absolute hames of this 
and you know have basically created a shitstorm out, out of nothing for themselves. I think the only the only winner out of this is you know Colin Kaepernick's ever burgeoning legal case <laughs> <laughs> against the NFL and the various owners. Uh, I'm sure we can look forward to all kinds of stuff in discovery from various uh, interactions between coaches and GMs. I think Baltimore in particular from last season will be particularly fun when we get uh, any access to that. Hopefully, I do. Th- I do think I did enjoy Seattle's uh, statement of like. It was just so vague. Like, we asked him about the future of stuff and everything. It was like, what stuff? Oh, you know, everything. Things. <laughs> just <laughs> things. Yeah, but, you know, nothing specific. <laughs> just how he's doing. So, Colin, how's stuff? You've a, you've a tortoise, right? Tell us about the tortoise. Uh, Did you need... <laughs> Of course, then the Seahawks immediately sign Austin Davis and uh, some no-namer Stephen Morris because mm. oh yeah oh no we were just yeah no 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 nothing bad <laughs> nothing to see here we we, we, we signed two quarterbacks straight away after the Colin Kaepernick thing yeah we we, we just didn't invite him because we'd already decided that these two guys were the guys we're going with yep. uh, other news Richie Incognito has decided to unretire on Twitter possibly he says haha gotcha uh, after declaring that his livers had stopped functioning. <laughs> I believe. Um, but no one knows exactly what's going on right now. Uh, the GM, Brandon Bean, says that he is still retired. This is almost certainly similar to the Brandon Albert case last year where uh, it turns out that if he does retire, he might owe a bit of money back to the uh, to yeah. the team. So this is a question of whether this will get restructured, whether it will get sorted. He might just, as I believe Fitz, you believe he might just try to be a pain in the arse until they just tell him to leave and take the money. Yeah, pretty much. And like, what's weird in this case is that that restructure happened earlier on in the offseason, which is why signing bonus, like a signing bonus occurred mm-hmm. this offseason. But then he fired his agent, and then all this stuff happened. So what the hell is happening here? I don't know. Richie Incognito, you know, perhaps not the smartest man. Uh, I don't know what other previous incidents might have indicated that, but uh, yeah. yeah not, not why a good would you say something so controversial and yet so brave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patriots legend James Harrison has retired after 14 <laughs> seasons. I think you mean Bengals legend. Bengals legend. Bengals legend. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a strong 14 seasons. I'm not sure if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's got two rings. Uh, has an interesting story because I think he did a bit of time in NFL Europe as well. Um, played, I think Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Patriots. Like, yeah, I think he was yeah. very briefly on the Ravens was the NFL Europe thing and I was most career yeah. with Steelers and then a brief break with Bengals back to Steelers and to the Patriots. Um, the league kind of hates him, yeah. so he might have to wait a bit. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, he's going to be up against the likes of Suggs, I'd imagine, and I think Suggs, if he has one more good season, is going to at least push him back so he'd be one who'd be waiting for a few years and had to build a bit of momentum. But he, like, I think you know, he has the longevity, he has you know, a lot of association with a team, and of course he has that iconic play in yeah. the Super Bowl against yeah. Arizona. The 100-yard yard return. return. Yeah. Like, so, like, I think he's someone who will probably get in after you know, five, six, seven, eight times, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, his reputation hasn't necessarily been bolstered by the last few years. And the, he will probably have to wait a little bit. The only thing is now, like his his workout videos are going to get even more insane because now he doesn't have to do the occasional piss test. Imagine yeah. how big he's going to get. Oh, like, setter uh, <laughs> Nick Mangold has taken a one day contract with the Jets so he can retire as a Jet. Uh, fantastic career, I think. Many All Pros and stuff like that uh, for him. Is this a Hall of Fame center, or is it as we expect that linemen don't really get as much respect? He did get Mark Sanchez for the AFC Championship. So. He did. 
that, that, that's probably up there. Was it was it Nick Mangold's achievement. butt that he tried to run into? No, that was Brandon Moore, ah. and he didn't try to. He succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> really, get it up there. <laughs> I don't think Nick Mangold is going to be a Hall of Famer. No. Like, I think it's not even like Joe Thomas where he... And this is kind of the weird thing. Is Joe Thomas, for example, stands out on a bad team because he was outstanding. But that Jets O-line was good. Yeah. Like, they had him, they had Brickshaw Ferguson, players like that. Like It was a good O-line. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes it that actually works against him in some sense. And uh, well, given yeah. that the team achieved the sum total with diddly squat during his uh, many, many years there... Yeah. Our own linemen with less interesting names. We can't remember them. Yes, yeah, exactly. Matt Golden, Debrickashaw. It's a good man name. Oh, they had Willie Colon as well. It's a great name. Wow, is that real? Yeah, Willie Colon, but it's Colon. It's not Colon. It's not Colon. Yeah, well, I suppose if your name was that, you'd say it's fucking pronounced differently, wouldn't you? Ah, well, Willie Gay got away with it for years. Isn't that's it? true. And Dick Butkus. Oh, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Um, oh, other news as well. Uh, it turns out that the Chiefs did not sign a human wide receiver. It would appear that uh, Sammy Watkins believes himself to be a solar-powered lizard. I'm starting to get even more worried about this signing. Uh, so obviously there's been stories about him being part of a cult where he praises Ammon and uh, pays a couple... Like the, the, the A-H-M-E-N. The, the uh, Egyptian... I have no idea. It's some cult thing where they pay like a couple of thousand dollars yeah, a month. That's a cult, yeah. yeah. But then, um, but then oh on top of it, he's now had a tweet out about how like he doesn't feel like he's human. He feels like he might be some kind of like solar powered lizard so person. What happens when he plays in a dome? Oh god, I don't know. Maybe Can't he just the... doesn't play. Like <laughs> just doesn't play Are well. Non solar powered lizards. I'm interested to know. Uh, <laughs> it's true lizards are called blooded so they do yeah. need the sun yeah. to oh shit he's cracked the case yeah uh, he's, he's also as many lizards might already know a flat earther so this is a this is increasingly worrying me <laughs> thank god he's good at football yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Pam Holmes is awfully looking awfully like Gino Smith right now <laughs> oh god yeah. I forgot Gino's uh, yeah yeah this should be interesting um but yeah, we will we will probably uh, on one of our one of our off season pauses to the here are the weird shit that we find out about random players over the off season because they are bored, have eight months free, and start tweeting shit. We're gonna look into uh, Watkins's cult now. That's fascinating. Yeah, it, it, it happened on a. It apparently was discovered on like some random tweet he had put out, and then someone on I think it was Reddit or something spotted and mentioned like, oh, I've heard about this thing before, and then they went looking into it and was like, holy shit, this thing's a cult. <laughs> Like it isn't just a mistyping of amen. <laughs> this is a this is a straight up like pay money cult. Uh, That's kind of cult. Fun times. But like you know, you want to have if you're gonna have a cult leader, you want someone who's got drive and ambition, right? You don't want these cult leaders who's just giving it away for free. Um, or one who can't do anything at night time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you don't know how powerful their batteries are. Maybe Elon Musk is a member. Uh, we will have a look and move on to uh, our draft preview and this should be this should be entertaining to say the least okay so we're going to move on to our mock draft we decided that we're going to kind of go for uh, we, won't, we won't put trades in because this is already enough of a mess it's already, um, <clears throat> we were initially going to go through all of the positions talk who the top prospects were and then uh, explain kind of our, our, our aggregated guess at what would happen but then it turns out once we completed our own individual mock drafts that we did not have consensus opinion on any single pick whatsoever so what we've decided to do instead is we're going to go through it pick by pick uh and we're going to kind of talk about why we've decided to mock these specific players of these specific teams and uh we'll kind of speed up as the process goes along because 
obviously you'll want to know a little bit more about the new franchise quarterback who's drafted first or second uh, than you really care about like the backup or the, 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 the new starting guard that's being picked up in the How 27th dare you there's no long snappers in the first round unfortunately so there's nothing that you give a shit about Harry yeah you got me <laughs> Um, so we will, I suppose, start uh, start at the beginning. Uh, it's a very good place to start, or so I heard from a song once. Uh, it is the Browns on the clock. Uh, and the Browns obviously have a lot of needs, but we think they're going to deal with the main one and they're going to draft a quarterback. You'd think that would help us come to some sort of agreement. Uh, I have them taking Josh Rosen. Harry, you have them taking Josh Allen. And Ronan, you have them taking Sam Darnold. So uh, our consensus pick has ended up being uh, Josh Rosen. Excellent. Uh, I get my way so I can make sure that our combined mock doesn't do too well. So uh, I suppose, (laughs) (coughs) Harry... Just to clarify, the, the consensus is based on a random number generator assigning each team a default, a default selector. If um, if we can't agree, on my it. entire so draft is based yeah, on a random I, number I, generator. I, I'm pretty sure that's more accurate than our previous efforts. Like I'm, yeah. I'm all about the RNG, man. All right, so Harry, Josh Allen, uh, yes. is it just because of the website? Tell us a little bit about. The website? Oh, no, okay. about, about Josh. Everyone should go to draftjoshallen.com. <laughs> um, look, this, um, as, as you know, last week I talked extensively about why the sensible thing for Cleveland to do would be to draft Sam Darnold. And I also talked about how I think Josh Rosen is actually the best quarterback in the draft. <laughs> so obviously Cleveland are going to take Josh Allen yep. because it is the brownsiest move imaginable. And the more I think about it, the more I look at the flaws in Josh Allen's game, the more you look at the tape analysis, the bad decisions, the inability to sense pressure, the poor footwork, all of the limitations that hold him back, and you look at his crap stats in a crap conference, and then you're like, yeah, the, the Browns are going to draft this guy. Like, it's mm. just going to happen. The Browns are going to fall in love like they have with every other limited, poor fundamental quarterback that they have drafted since time immemorial. And it's going to be Josh Allen. They're going to want that excitement, the big play, the potential, the upside. It's all there. It's not going to work, but it's what Cleveland are going to do. There have been a lot of, in the last week or so, there's been a lot of talk about Josh Allen actually going to the Browns. That they're, that they're decided because they want to have him, have the, the QB they draft sit for a year and kind of get ready. That this is why they can take on a project like this. But let's be honest, this is a Browns organization where the coach is terrified about uh, what <clears throat> what will happen to his job if he has another terrible season? So the chance of him getting to sit for an entire year is not 100 percent there. That's why I went with Josh Rosen. I think he's pro ready, has lovely looking technique, has some physical limitations potentially, has taken a couple of knocks. But if you needed someone to come in and play, he's the one who can come in and play. If you have someone who can sit and learn for a year, he's the one who I think will adapt the quickest because he is so much more used to the concepts that they'll be dealing with in that. I think now this is the, this is the this is the caveat. It's the Browns. I think this is the smart play, which is why I might be wrong in this situation. But I think Josh Rosen makes a huge amount of sense to them because if he really needs to, he can play in the back half of the season. But I think he would benefit very well from being able to sit behind and be able to absorb a lot, even when he's not getting playing time. Fitz. Yeah. So like like I think. Sam Darnold, who I selected, is primarily because a like if we're taking predictions, Sam Darnold was generally considered to be the top like exciting prospect in terms of being the number one pick. He's got all he's got all the physical tools and the kind of flashy plays that get 
you know, GMs, gets players excited, gets fans excited. He's just got, basically, if you're, like Josh Allen, like Josh Rosen is a good player, will probably make, be productive straight away. But Sam Darnold's type of player, that even if you're losing, even if he throws a few interceptions, the type of wow plays that he's capable of are the ones that will keep the fans going, get them excited, and get behind building, you know, this franchise going forward, uh, if that happens to be under Hugh Jackson or not. Um, so, like, for me, like, Sam Darnold, He's got issues with play. He had a lot of interceptions, especially last year, and he's got some like technique issues. But you know, I'm thinking like someone like Matt Stafford or Philip Rivers, where you know their technique can be a little bit weird looking, but there's no doubting their production and ability to make big plays, exciting plays, and you know, basically get Cleveland happy. Stop the sadness. Yeah. Draft Sam Darnold. <clears throat> Don't draft Josh Allen. Don't draft Josh Allen. That's a developmental prospect, and you have Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. That's not a good idea. Just don't. Or it's the best idea. <laughs> it could be. Interesting now. So the Giants are up next. I think we all agree that this is a spot that could be traded out of if there, if there is the, the right kind of offer that comes together, which I think there's been a lot of talk specifically about the Bills moving up into this spot if the player they want is available. As you can see, the reason that there's not been a trade like the Jets made in place because we don't have a fucking clue who's going to be the pick overall from for, for, for the Cleveland Browns. So I think they're just going to wait out, see who is taken, and if their guy is there, just move up to get him. We have the same... Oh, like the Jets and Broncos will be sniffing around too if that's already an open rumour as well. Uh, and obviously they're moving up a little bit less to the Giants. Like yeah. The Giants will, might be able to get a, a better player than moving all the way down to 12. That's true, that's so, true. A lot uh, of excitement at number two likely if... Uh, if all of this comes to pass. Yes, I really hate exciting number twos. Now what we've got is... <laughs> I, 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 I really don't like frustrating number twos myself. <laughs> but uh, uh, We have the same three quarterbacks going in a different order. So I have the Giants taking Josh Allen, Harry, you have them taking Sam Darnold, and Ronan, you have them taking Josh Rosen. Uh, so we'll move on to the Jets. Uh, I will say one thing actually, though, I think, just maybe, don't to blow my own horn, mm-hmm. but I think Sam Darnold to the Giants, I think this is... If the Browns draft Josh Allen number one, I actually think the Giants definitely do not trade down. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be delighted to have Darnold drop into their lap at number two. Fair enough. That's interesting. Uh, I have the Jets taking Sam Darnold at number three. Uh, Harry and Ronan, you're in agreement on this one. Uh, you both have them taking Baker Mayfield at this point. Uh, so give us a quick shout as to why. Is that because Darnold went before or is this... Baker Mayfield is someone who actually particularly suits his Jets offense. Yeah, like uh, for me personally, I just think like Mayfield doesn't feel like a top two player. I think it's the kind of one that they'll skip over because people like the hype that's around Darnold and Allen is higher. I think Rosen is just a better player, so why would you pick Mayfield? Like, but we know what you're getting in Mayfield. You're getting someone who at college, at the college level was you know electric playmaker. You know, making plays along the edges. You know. Busy, you know, a lot, lot of like superficial like uh, comparisons to Johnny Manziel, but I think Baker Mayfield showed that he could win and that he is dedicated to the game of football. Two dedicated points. Obviously, there were some off the field and all, you know, on the sideline issues with uh, non-sporting behavior, as I might call it. <laughs> but it's the NFL, not rugby, so that's not really a problem uh, necessarily. So I think Baker Mayfield, he's undersized. He definitely needs to work his accuracy and to you know, learn how to check down the ball. But he's a proven winner at the college level. He makes exciting plays. I think for a Jets team that just needs something exciting, something more exciting than Josh McCowan, preferably, I think <laughs> he's the kind of playmaker that will get the fan base going. He kind of fits their kind of, for lack of a better word, gritty, uh, gritty uh, identity and should play well in there. 
assuming he plays well, which which he definitely could. I, I'm not <laughs> guaranteed, but he definitely could be a great quarterback. I, I will first. I, I generally agree with you. I think that it makes sense for the Jets as a kind of Jets move. Uh, I, my main disagreement is that I think Baker Mayfield is going to be shite at the NFL level, certainly for the first couple of years. It's got potential. He's nowhere near pro-ready. But I think the Jets are like, well, look, we've got a couple of veteran pieces in place at quarterback. We can sit a guy for a year. And they probably see Mayfield as being a more exciting, higher-ceiling kind of guy than Josh Rosen or so on. But we all know how that's worked out for the Jets in the past. So Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, next up we have the Browns coming in with their second pick so uh, again this is a spot where we think that there's good potential for a trade out if uh, even if it's just someone like you know just wanting to hop ahead of the Broncos because they want to take the quarterback who's left over or whatever at this point but uh, the Browns come in here so I've got them taking defensive end Bradley Chubb Harry you've got them taking Bradley Chubb as well Ronan you decided to give them running back Saquon Barkley so uh, Bradley Chubb just think is very Good piece for them to have. Uh, strong pass rusher. So-so in coverage. Considered one of the top athletes in this draft. Would be an excellent piece to be able to add into that defense. To help kind of build what was starting to become a quite disruptive unit. Um, I think this paired with the quarterback that take at number one. Will give them two strong pieces to play with. I can see the, the argument for the, for the running back as well. But you want to tell us a little bit about Saquon Barkley? Yeah, and like, I think it's important to mention that obviously... If they got Chubb, they'd be pairing up with Miles Garrett. That's a pretty fearsome yeah. pass rushing duo, and there's definitely an idea of building from the defense up. But I think you know, Saquon Barkley for me, I think you know, it can't be said like he's considered to be once in a generation uh, running back talent. Although they seem to come every two or three years, uh, Elliot, uh, Fournette, etc. Could be, could be once in a generation running backs don't last long anymore. Yeah. But I think in recent years, people have been hitting on these top end, like since Fred Richardson. Elliot uh, and Fournette have been pretty good and like I think in terms of value running back isn't the right move but if you want to make the fans excited if you want to make the fans think oh thank god our offense isn't going to be the giant big huge factory of sadness that it was last year where interceptions within the, tw- in the red zone were pretty much the norm then Saquon Barkley is the type of player that will get those fans going I- I'm picking here to make the Cleveland fans happy because they deserve to be happy and deserve to believe that their offense will actually be good with Saquon Barkley and Sam Darnold or hopefully another franchise quarterback they should and Tyrod Taylor maybe starting instead they shouldn't be awful they should be exciting and they should win some actual games more than zero games at least and I think that will that's just good for the fans and that's why I'm making that pick here well, firstly, I think when most people get a chub, they're pretty happy. But um, <laughs> I was actually, I was very much, I was very much like on the Browns are getting quarterback plus Barkley until until they picked up Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and I just paying think a fair whack of money for him as well. Carlos Hyde plus Duke Johnson plus this Matthew Days kid who they've been quite high on. Um, I, I just think that was the thing that, and I was very close on this call. That was the thing that tipped me towards Chubb. Was thinking that like this team doesn't really need another running back, um, and I think even as much as the when they've got all that money tied up, even as brownsy as it would be, it would make no sense to pay for Hyde and then draft Barkley. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, next up, we've got Broncos. Uh, I've given them Baker Mayfield to. They need a quarterback. Their solution isn't one of the one of the. I think is it two years they've got locked in for at the moment yeah, on the. Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to look for that. Baker Mayfield is here. He's a developmental prospect. We talked about him already. Uh, Fitz, you've gone QB with Josh Allen as well, who we've already talked about again. Good, but potentially need some development work done. Uh, you've got them, even though there are quarterbacks left that they might be interested on your board. 
Harry, you've gone with the guard, Quentin Nelson. I have, yeah. And this is... Again, this was, this was a close call between whether they were going to go quarterback. But I actually think at this point, the Broncos, given their propensity to whiff on first-round quarterbacks, I think might be a little bit gun-shy this time, uh, given what's happened over the last couple of seasons. Given now that they have Case Keenum, who they seem to have, again, invested a fairly reasonable amount of money in. $13 million or so. Yeah. Like, and given that their O-line is a shambles and has been for a little while, Quentin Nelson is, like, possibly when you look at, like, just... The draft, he's he's up there with like Saquon Barkley and Chubb as being like one of the best players in the draft, full stop. Now, he is an interior lineman, and that's obviously a knock on players that's seen as a less valuable position relative to your tackles and your skill position. It's not players. sexy, but it's not a sexy, but it's very important. And it's been, a, it's been something that's been killing the Broncos over the last few seasons has been the inability to get good pass protection and good run blocking in the middle. So to me, I'm like, this is a really important future building block kind of thing of being like, hey, look, we're not really sure how these quarterbacks are going to pan out. We're going to probably, it's going to be a little bit of a flyer anyway. We can probably pick up one in the later rounds. We have Keenum, who we know is solid, is a solid journeyman and can do a solid job and we're overpaying him. Mm-hmm. So let's get a piece in there that can see how Keenum does with a proper line to protect him. And if not, it means next year, if we have to go back for a quarterback or if we've got a developmental guy, there's already a building block in place that's going to make it easier to develop them moving forward because they're not going to be face down in the grass every five seconds. Yeah, no, that's fair enough now. Uh, we move on to the Colts at number six. So we move on to the Colts at number six. Uh, just as you were saying by Quentin Nelson being, that's right, I put the Colts drafting Quentin Nelson at this point to provide that type of protection to what will hopefully be Andrew Luck back under center <laughs> uh, and to hopefully avoid what caused him to disappear for the last two years uh, from happening again. You have Saquon Barkley going to them, so getting that run game going is something they've been sorely missing. And Fitz, you've given them Bradley Chubb to give them that kind of pass rush that, again, they've been sorely missing. This is a Colts roster that has a lot of fucking holes. <laughs> when you like, put it that way. Every <laughs> single one of these pieces makes perfect sense there. And, and again, this is what you'll see kind of happening in waves within all these drafts of like, we're giving them players that are positions that need that we have maybe... Other player, other people have given to them uh, to a team one or two picks back. So there's a lot of this kind of waves of talent. These would all be kind of considered kind of top five, top ten talents. The, the Colts have an incredible luxury because they can go BPA because every single position is a position of need. Like I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Like as it stands, we can still say the QB is a position of need because we have no fucking clarity on what's happening with Andrew Luck. But uh, we'll see. Uh, and of course, if there's a quarterback, if one of these top quarterbacks is available at that point, they're a prime candidate to try and trade down. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Their GM, it's pretty much indicating we're open for business so yeah. I think Colts are uh, probably, they're just going to get as many picks as they can as many players and hopefully make that roster decent again yeah as he said when they have this many holes like they could pick a couple of people further down and be able to get a load of starters uh, Buccaneers are up at 7 I've given them Saquon Barkley to give them a nice run game uh, Harry you've given them safety Derwin James and Ronan you've also given them safety Derwin James uh, I think my, I think I initially had him there, but then I saw that I had Saquon fall this far and I couldn't have them pass up a, a quality running back like that. Tell us a bit about Derwin James. He's a very like very versatile safety with a lot of size and speed. And he, he basically, he's kind of like another kind of Jabril Preppers type things from last year where he doesn't really have a position necessarily, but he kind of just plays across that defensive backfield. And I think the big thing about him is because he has so much physical talent in terms of like in terms of his speed he has the ability to make up for the fact that 
there are questions over how good like a football player is about his ability to read the field but I think if you can co- if you believe you can coach him up to be able to do that then you could have an Earl Thomas type player on your hands here who could make a big amount of, big huge difference on that backfield we know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, secondary has been basically a hot mess for multiple years at this point so I think getting one of the top defensive backs makes sense here like there's other defensive backs they could look like like Minka Fitzpatrick or um, what's his name um, Denzel Ward but I think Derwin James is the one that sounds most exciting and fits the best the, the scheme there according to most people who are analysing the Buccaneers at the moment next up we have the Bears obviously they've got their quarterback from last year they're looking to build a reign so we'll have a few different approaches to how they're going to do this Ronan you have them taking the guard Quentin Nelson who uh, makes sense but obviously for both myself and Harry he's already gone uh, Harry you've got them taking Harold Landry the defensive end and I've got them taking linebacker Tremaine Edwards so do you want to tell us a bit about the defensive end yeah I will now firstly obviously this, again this is a team that's a prime candidate to move down because they're in a really awkward spot where all the elite guys are going to be gone um, for me like I'm I just think like the pass rush in Chicago has been a real problem over the last few seasons. And while Landry is kind of a smaller guy, and there are questions about his physicality at this level, he's probably, uh, with obviously not notwithstanding Chubb, he's the next best pure pass rusher in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, his size is a question, but we've seen smaller guys be moved into more versatile roles. Um, Shaq Thompson in uh, in Carolina being mm-hmm. a prime example of what you can do with a bit of versatility of somebody who can M- be most of the Atlanta defense. Dick <laughs> Beasley, another, well, Dick Beasley's a bit bigger, but it, it, it's again he's yeah. undersized according to some. So um, I think this is a guy when you've got a guy who's already got a lot of the technique locked in. That's a what like that's makes it a lot easier to sort of integrate a prospect into that mm-hmm. into that uh, front seven. And I think for Chicago, yes, obviously there are huge problems on the offense, but this is way too early to be looking at fixing problems at wide receiver or tight end and so on. Yeah. And I think this is where you're saying, right, let's look at the defense. Let's look at the other side of this. Let's see if we can, you know, get them off the field and ha- give our young offense a little less to do. And I think that having an effective pass rush is obviously a really important step in that. And that's why yeah, I think Landry here. There's also like the Bears have whiffed horrendously on all their kind of wide receiver talent attempts in the last couple of years. So I think they're going to be gun shy to try and go to that side of the ball this early. I've given them the linebacker Tremaine Edwards. Similar idea that they want to kind of stiffen up that that defense. He's very athletic. I'm his top linebacker on my boards anyway. Uh, sideline to sideline kind of guy. He can play the run, he can play the pass. There's a little bit of question about what he would be able to provide pass rush-wise, but he's definitely someone who can step in and provide like kind of coverage linebacker from the get-go. Um, I'm kind of torn between him and who I have going uh, next to the 49ers, Raquan Smith, as to who I think is the, the, the best of the pair. But I think both of them are day-one starters who can come in and help them uh, with that defence. Uh, the 49ers, as I said, I've given them Raquan Smith at linebacker. You, Harry, have given them Denzel Ward and Fitz, ah, you've gone for your namesake, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, Ronan's middle name is Minka. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's the old Minkas from Alterabonaway. As I said, uh, like, I've given Raquan Smith here because uh, they think they need some more pieces on defence. There's a little bit of a new story going around about their current linebackers, and I imagine they might need to try and sort out some issues there, provide some coverage. Uh, so I think I think both the fact that it can be a day one starter can provide what they're looking for but also gives them coverage for what I presume will be a soon to be cut ex first rounder uh, Harry you've gone for Denzel Ward the cornerback 
Yeah, uh, I have. Um, I, I get the issues that linebacker are happening, but like, I mean, oh, Jesus, <laughs> try not to think about that. Um, no, I think I think CB is probably the biggest, still the biggest area of need. Even if you take away Foster from the from the Niners, um, it's a weakness on the back end. Their offense, as we shown was shown last season, can even with uh, perhaps not what you would consider to be world class names, has shown it can click. I don't think they really pay attention to that side of the ball. I think we're all here. Ward is a just a very smart defensive back and he's very athletic as well. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not one of these like six foot three monsters. He's he's just under six foot, but that's still we've seen guys smaller than that succeed. Mm-hmm. So I think we hear scouting reports questioning about his size. I don't think they're really germane to the point. Like he's shown that he can go step for step with 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 guys and and plays bigger than he is, whatever the hell mm-hmm. that means um, in in college. So I think it's like this is the. Probably not the top DB prospect because you've got James and so on. But when you're looking at just a pure cornerback, you're like, yeah, I think this is probably the best quarterback in the draft. He's got the most potential. He seems to be the most ready. And I think for the Niners, it's a no-brainer at this point that that back end of the uh, pass defense needs some help. Yeah. And this is where it's going to come from. Well, Ronan's also gone to try and help them in the defensive backfield with safety Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, but you have them going safety instead of cornerback. Yeah, so like I think the big reason here is because obviously they... Uh, you may be aware that they, they lost the safety to free agent or haven't lost him quite yet. But, uh, <laughs> they just decided like, they don't want him. <laughs> like they basically need help all across that backfield, but they did get Richard Sherman in free agency, so I think they might be they might be downplaying cornerback a little bit. I think Minka Fitzpatrick is similar to Derwin James. He's a very versatile player. No one's really sure what his best position is. He played against slot defense. He played as like a safety in the box. I think unlike Derwin James, who can probably comp out. As perhaps becoming your like starting free safety at a certain point, like in coverage, I think Minka Fitzpatrick is more someone who is definitely at his best when he's near the ball at the line of scrimmage, making plays in the open field. He was a really good blitzer at Alabama, and I think that is one of the big things for him. Is he's coming from that Alabama, you know, defensive player factory that that's obviously coming from there. So I think if you're looking for someone who make contributions straight away, who understands the game, who's smart, then you know, and who's dedicated to the game. I think picking Alabama players is usually a safe bet, uh, but I just think like his 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 um, his ceiling is probably a bit lower. He doesn't have quite up the kind of the amazing physical skill that German James has. So I think he's just someone if you're looking to make an immediate starter, make that defense better. He's a good pick for the 49ers here. Where did Reuben Foster go to college again? Well, yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can't all be uh, they can't all be stars as it were. And it's not that Reuben Foster was bad at football; he was just bad at controlling his. Uh, his off-the-field activities, yeah, which is not a problem in this case as far as I'm aware. Number 10 is the Raiders, who, let's be honest, they could draft anyone defensively and it will probably be an improvement. Uh, I have them taking Minka Fitzpatrick for pretty much the same reasons as Fitz was saying there. Provides them with the kind of support that they can need for that. Uh, you guys are going more directly to kind of build strength on strength to an extent because you've given them Tremaine Edwards and Raquan Smith, the two linebackers we previously mentioned, presumably just so they have someone to pair with their <laughs> with their one defensive player. Yeah, I, I think John Gruden loves linebackers. I just get the feeling he's the kind of guy who's going to draft a load of linebackers. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Like a Gruden move. They're real grinders, these guys. Yeah. I think the three four system they play. I think Rock on Smith is a good is a good fit. He should be flexible. Whereas I think Tremaine Edwards, I kind of feel Tremaine Edwards more of a four three type of rangy linebacker making plays. Um, and I think Rock on Smith is probably the guy who has more upside, more uh, kind of excitement. Whereas Tremaine Edwards is the kind of guy that he's going to make. He's going to be good pretty much straight away, but perhaps doesn't have the same 
physical upside as a rock on switch. Okay, because so, that confuses me, Fitz, because you have the Dolphins taking Tremaine Edmonds and next. They don't take solid, decent players. They just shit the bed all the time. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, well... I think we've all spelled Tremaine Edmonds' name, or Edmonds, I don't know, differently in all yeah. of our picks. Oh, well, we have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, to be fair, um, I did make the brands make sensible position, like uh, sensible picks, so I can't be held responsible for being better at them than their job. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you have uh, you you uh, you've given them a QB. You've decided that they're giving up on their uh, their current projects and they're going to take on a new one in Josh Rosen. Yeah, man. Sorry, I don't know if I got picked up on the mic, guys. But um, <laughs> as soon as we said Dolphins, Connor just ripped a massive fart. And I mean, how else are you going to sum up the Dolphins? It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, I do. Josh Rosen kind of falling. Uh, in I lost. Draft. Yeah. yeah, I think the thing is, I just think that all the stupid little concerns that come up will come up again. Mm. Uh, and I think will affect his draft. Particularly, and he'll go through. He'll drop out of the top, and then he'll just go through this ream of teams that just don't need a quarterback until yeah. the Dolphins there. And I think at that point, the Dolphins really have no choice other than to take him, um, largely because at this point he's BPA, but well, he's been BPA for a few picks. But for a team that needs a quarterback, yeah. But also, that's an incredibly bad quarterback situation in Miami. You've got Tannehill coming off another ACL injury. Uh, who knows what condition he's going to be? And even then, he was only kind of okay. Let's be honest, good but not great. Then you've got. Um, Brock Osweiler is the backup. You get in a guy like Rosen, and you're like, okay, again, this is a good spot with one caveat. The good spot, in theory, is right. We've got a solid quarterback who's getting a bit older and hasn't quite been able to get it done, but bring the young guy, and we'll have a chance for a transition mm-hmm. period. The problem is that the Dolphins, as we've discussed last week, seem to be going through a transition period towards firing their coach, which <laughs> raises several questions. But I do think that if this pans out the way it does and it gets to pick 11 for Miami, it makes 100% sense to make an investment for the future in the quarterback position mm-hmm. which has not been good enough to compete in that division when, yeah, when they picked up Tannehill wasn't it exactly the same situation they picked him up they had was it Matt Moore as the established starter and then they just had Tannehill start week one because uh, they decided that they couldn't even handle their most basic of plans could you see the exact same thing happening here uh, no, I think Tannehill is a little bit better. It depends on his recovery, really, from his injury. Mm. Um, I don't think I, I can't see them ditching Tannehill week one unless Rosen absolutely blows him away and can't. But he's got the most potential to do of any of the quarterbacks. I agree. I think he is the most pro ready. But I think if they do pick him, I think it will definitely be with a mind to develop him and sit him for a little bit. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I've, oh, sorry. Did you say something, Fitz? Yeah. Just like just just a note that like I don't know if Adam Gates is going to be there more than this season, but in theory. Like the whole knock on Rosen is that he needs to be challenged. Adam Gates has a reputation as a quarterback whisperer, as someone who really understands the position. So in theory, that that does should be a good fit. Yeah, uh, we'll see in actuality if Miami can actually do smart. I I have the Dolphins taking uh, Vita Vey defensive tackle. Uh, basically, they need some pieces on that defense. They've got a huge gaping hole where Sue is, and they've also got twenty million dollars being paid to him when he's not playing there. So they need someone cheap to sit in at DT. And I think Vita Vey is the best of it. Uh, I've also at this point I don't have the quarterback that they're going to jump at because uh, I think well we're about to get on to the guys who are going to jump at the next line of quarterbacks the Bills are on the clock at 12 again bearing in mind that we're saying that this has no trades in it we have uh, I've got Lamar Jackson going to them Fitz you've also got Lamar Jackson going to him and uh, Harry's decided to go uh, off killer but he's gone for Mason Rudolph so tell us a bit about Mason Rudolph well firstly he's not very good <laughs> but he's not going to have a long career in the pros well that's good um, so he suits the Bills with, yeah. yeah exactly like he comes out of sort of a you know play action heavy 
very college style mm-hmm. air raid offense and he hasn't really shown anything from working uh, properly under center and doing doing the full uh, what you would expect from a, a NFL standard quarterback mm-hmm. but I also think that the Bills are crazy and bad and their front office is crazy and bad and I think that after the Tyrod Taylor thing they're going to be very skeptical about a mobile quarterback with accuracy problems and after how they completely mishandled that this team desperately wanted a pocket passer last season they were pining for a pocket passer. The fans were mad for it. The front office were trying to make uh, Nathan Peterman happen or whatever his name was. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like, no. But I think they'll look at this, they'll look at Lamar Jackson and they'll go, no, but hang on, that's not the kind of football we want to play. So they'll go for the next best quarterback, which is Mason Rudolph, who should not be a first-round prospect, let alone the 12th pick overall. But I feel like that is the kind of... Pan- now, this is assuming the Bills don't manage to trade up, which in, in actuality they probably will. But if they find themselves stuck at 12, needing a quarterback, I think they will panic, and they will take Mason Rudolph as somebody who they'll believe that they can turn into a pocket passer to run the kind of game they want, which they won't be able to, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it. I, I'm picking this not because I think it's a good pick or because it makes sense, but because I think that's what the Bills will do in this position because I have very little faith yeah. in them. Yeah, They're idiots, basically. Oh, we, we got to the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years with a run-heavy offense around a running quarterback. We can't draft a running quarterback. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is excited. Like, they have A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman. That's a sad quarterback room. Just full of sadness and bitterness over being underdrafted. Well, you know, well, in AJ McCarron, he's still probably bitter being being drafted in the sixth round. And in Nathan Peterman, I don't know. Nathan Peterman presumably has thoughts. I've never seen them on football. Teams. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder what happens if I pass it to the other team. I don't have to work anymore. I get off the field. Yes. Lamar Jackson comes as a Michael Vick type player who makes exciting plays all the time. He's going to be with Shady McCoy in the backfield. They don't have an offensive line at the moment. That's a problem. But this guy can run around sufficiently, hopefully, to compensate for that. I like, you know, I, I, I agree completely with Harry that this is not a Buffalo move. They'll either trade up or do something stupid like draft Rudolph. But Lamar Jackson would probably make them more exciting and be a pretty good pick. Uh, and it might make the Bulls, the Bills fun on... Offense. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, we move on to the Washington uh, Mazungus. So I have them taking Denzel Ward at cornerback to kind of replace Fuller, given that they lost him in the trade to pick up Alex Smith. You guys have given them the defensive tackle, Vita Vale, we mentioned. Uh, I think both of these are areas of need for them, and both ones that can kind of slot in and play immediately. Uh, so it kind of just makes sense, which is probably why they won't do it, because it's Washington. Um <laughs> We're being very harsh on a lot of these teams, actually. But well, uh, you know yeah, I mean, they need to earn. With, with reason, like yeah, respect true. is earned, not given. It's true. Uh, we'll move on to the Packers. Uh, we have actually again a team that could just go defense and probably improve themselves. So, uh, Fitz, you have Denzel Ward, who we talked about. Uh, Harry, you have Mika Fitzpatrick, who we talked about. I have Marcus Davenport, who's a defensive end, uh, has a bit of pass rush upside to him. Could play on the outside linebacker uh, position, which they kind of need a bit of help because all they've got is a long-haired goon who doesn't know how to play football. Um, outside of that, <laughs> you really hate him. I really, I am living for it. <laughs> but uh, yes, I 
think the most important thing to know about uh, whatever Green Bay does is whether Aaron Rodgers will be consulted on it or not. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this has been the news story that uh, Aaron Rodgers is apparently starting to get very pissed off that they're not talking to him about big plans they make, especially plans that involve like the team that he plays on or who he has to throw a football to and things like that. And uh, this might already be factoring into contract negotiations as he is due a contract in one year's time. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned that you're, you're about this Davenport pick because I think you're saying, oh, the problem is that they've got a, only got a long hair guy who doesn't know how to play football like Marcus Davenport doesn't particularly know how to play football either so I'm not sure that solves the Green Bay conundrum like he's a tremendous physical upside but he doesn't seem particularly technical or high IQ in terms of his play so we'll see how that pans out but uh yeah, well, I don't. I don't love him. As a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't love him. Like, the problem is Clay Matthews. We need more Clay Matthews. Because no, then he replaces Clay Matthews, and then Clay Matthews doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah, well, like, like they very lost, different they lost, positions. I think people are going secondary mostly for them is that they lost Barnett through free agency. He was a he played all over that defensive backfield, and then like they lost to Marius Randall when they traded to Cleveland. It's just they're very thin back there right now, and they're relying on a. Second round, second two second year player Kevin King who really did showing last year, so uh, they might double dip here again to try and shore up that backfield and get someone who can actually make plays. Yeah. Whoever's the best defensive back player available. Next up, we have the Cardinals who have a need at quarterback, uh, most defensive positions, and a couple of the offensive positions as well. Uh, they're also playing in a <laughs> division that looks like it's just going to murder whoever they put in place. So, uh, best of luck to them. Uh, you have them going with Lamar Jackson, Harry, because obviously he's still there on your. We don't have uh, him available on either of ours. So, Fitz, you decided to give them wide receiver help with the first wide receiver off the board, Calvin Ridley, and I've decided to give them a bit of pass rush there with Harold Landry. So, do you want to tell us a bit about Calvin Ridley? and why he's the first wide receiver yeah well I think he's generally considered to be the consensus one I think there's some talk about DJ Moore but I think Calvin Ridley he made a lot of plays at the college level um, basically good route run. basically all of his skills are in place good route running good understanding of the game uh, good at like, the point of contact I think his only real knock is that his frame is a bit he, he doesn't really have the physical frame of like a Julio Jones or something like that to dominate in physical and impress so there'll be a question about whether he can retain his current speed and ability while also bulking up at the next level, which he will have to do. And of course, you know, I think Arizona probably mock wide receivers for like five years waiting for the next Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, and it's not a bad idea that they might try that this year again. Yeah, no, of course. I've just given them a bit of pass rush because I think uh, they need some. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really that simple. Uh, the Ravens have a bad need at uh, offense because they need a wide receiver. They... <laughs> <laughs> I think the easiest way to just cover it off. Like, uh, so, uh, so both myself and Harry have given them the Calvin Ridley that we just spoken of for the Cardinals, and uh, you've given them an offensive tackle in Mike McGlinchey. Uh Yeah, all of these kind of make sense. Mike McGlinchey is a uh, first tackle off the board, I think, isn't he? Uh, yeah. So I think you know he's considered the top tackle, not considered anything special, but he's uh, he's considered to be a pro ready right tackle. And in a league which is basically throwing infinite money at any tackle that can actually tackle uh, or do tackle jobs, uh, I think that means he'll probably get over slightly overdrafted what we might consider for a right tackle, which is something of the position which we don't traditionally overvalue. Um, so that's why I'm giving it here. 
OL always gets overdrafted at the moment, so it makes sense to put him here. Yeah, no, of course. With Ridley off the board, at least. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, we have the Chargers up next. Uh, I have been going safety with Derwin James. Uh, helps him build on that defensive play position. Chargers, you have them going for Raquan Smith. Again, trying to build up that defensive already. That like, if I mean, you've got them going for a linebacker as well, and Leighton Vanderetch, the uh, the 16th century painter. Uh, <laughs> so I think we're all kind of looking at this going to strength on strength here. Like they've got Joey Bosa, they've got a couple of good pieces there. We just want to see more building on that. Uh, Derwin James provides a lot of speed at the safety position, allows him to get around the field an awful lot more. Raquan Smith, I think we've already discussed, and Leighton Vanderetch, we haven't really. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so I think Leighton Vanderetch is just one of these players that everyone's kind of like. His upside isn't really the same as some of these other guys, like Raquan Smith and Tremaine Edwards, but he's kind of someone who's got good tape, good understanding, good in coverage, good in line scrimmage, good at tackling, just good overall, but not great. And I think they have Denzel Perryman, who is a future star, if he can stay healthy, but he has not been able to. So I think getting some insurance in that inside linebacker group, making shoring up that run defense makes sense. I think the Chargers, their roster's currently... There's no holes, I would say, are you know that they have to fill uh, against BPA. So I think putting someone in there at, at linebacker should just make the defense solid. Could they could they draft a strength and conditioning coach here to just avoid all the injuries next year? <laughs> they, they could. Uh, maybe they could draft a better stadium. Oh well, yeah, they could draft their own stadium. Yeah. Just draft, uh, just draft San Diego. That should work. Oh God, poor San Diego Chargers. No longer. Uh, Seahawks are up next at 18 uh, because we've mentioned that they have a Swiss cheese in front of their quarterback. Uh, both myself and Harry have given them Mike McGlinchey, the offensive tackle we talked about earlier. You've given them Marcus Davenport to give them a bit of pass rush. Uh, to be honest, it's like maybe it's just kind of Stockholm syndrome for you, but like you do know you need to have an offensive line. Yeah, but they traded for Dwayne Brand last season, so they and and they're they're presumably going to invest, continue in that time in you know, Jermaine uh, holding penalty Effetti for the season <laughs> a right tackle. So I don't think tack, like they might get an interior offensive lineman if there's a one that they highly rate. But I think they, they've shown a proclivity in the past to highly draft raw defensive pass rushers. You think of Bruce Irvin, you think of Frank Clark, Marcus Davenport seems to fit that kind of bill. So I wouldn't be surprised to see they take someone like uh, Davenport, Davenport or um, what's his name? Uh, Harold Landley, something like that, if they're still available. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, Russell Wilson's good. Uh, he is, yeah. He's he's as good as dead. Like, just look at the changes in your division. And, like, just get your shit together, lads. Uh, Cowboys up next. I give them defensive line help. Actually, we've got all gone defense on this. So uh, we've gone Duran Payne, myself, and Fitz, and Leighton Vanderetch at linebacker. Uh, for yourself, obviously, they lost their linebacker to the Chiefs during the off season so far. So that helps replace that and. Also, Sean Lee is permanently dead. So yes, that's that's also true. Although, as as I said, like you, most teams would probably take Sean Lee for ten games a season. Oh, yeah. Like you know, um, but I think that that makes sense for them. Like the Lions, the Lions. I I'm still not sure. I always massively underrate them versus what you guys think. We've kind of gone similar again. We've all gone defensive line for them uh, between Hurst and Payne. Um, like. Yeah, like, I think their bigger need is probably on the edge, but I think all of us have kind of overdrafted those because they tend to. I think Marie, the difference of Maurice Horst against their current defensive tackles, like Sean Robinson, is that he's considered to be, if he lives up to his potential, and there's a major health issue, because he's considered a top 10 talent, but he, there was a heart issue found at the combine, which means that he's likely to drop. 
someone like the Lions could take a risk on him, like they did Nick Fairley about five or six years ago. Yeah. That necessarily worked out. Uh, but he can rush the passer from inside. That could help, you know, make sure that the rest of the pass rush shows up. Uh, so that's why I kind of have to take this more exciting defensive tackle over other teams, which just need to be good at stopping the run. See Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Uh, Bengals at 21, so I think we all agree they need a bit of line help here. So I've got them taking a tackle in Connor Williams, and uh, the pair you guys have them taking uh, the top rated guard, Will Hernandez. He is the top rated guard, is he? Top rated guard remaining. Rema- oh, sorry, yeah, 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 Craig Nelson's top yeah, rated guard. But um, like, I think it makes sense. I, again, this is a Bengals team that I'm, I don't know what they need to change to get fixed. Like, cause, like Coach. I said. Yes, the coach needs to move. But like I said, like they were they were a great top to bottom roster four years ago, and then now they just look to have fallen off in almost all the spots. Like they, yeah. the the few places that I would call a particular strength for them. Yeah, uh, I think for if you have Andy Dalton as your quarterback, you need to establish the run, getting interior help on the O line. It's essential to do that, and then we'll see all the wonderful stats from Joe Mixon. Oh, very well deserved. Mm. Yeah, like I think the, the run game has been a consistent problem as well for Cincinnati really over the last two, three seasons. Um, Hernandez is perhaps not the most polished player. He's not perhaps the best in pass track. He's a tremendous run blocker that we've shown so far in his career. And yeah, like Ronan says, this is a team that needs to take the slack off Dalton and reestablish the mm-hmm. run game. And if they believe that Joe Mixon is the guy, which we haven't necessarily seen based on last season, but it was just his rookie season. Also, he's a prick and I hate him. Um, I think... This is a smart. This will be a smart pickup. Um, they all need O line help in general because that O line has either got old or left the team. Yeah, and yeah, this I think is a good building block for like making things easier for themselves. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, next up, we have the Bills. We have got a nice kind of mixture of bits that we were, we were drafting the Bills. So I have them taking a linebacker in Van Etch. Uh You have them taking a center in James Daniels, and Fitz has them taking a guard Asaya Win. So I presume the 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 two you guys are kind of looking to protect this new piece that they've drafted higher up, is it? Well, for me, it's... Well, I mean, <laughs> makes it rude. Well, but, <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, like, the, the one of this incognito stuff, the big loss for Buffalo on the O-line is Eric Wood. Yeah. Their center retiring, who was a very good center. And James Daniels is a... What? And don't forget that they traded away their left tackle, Cordy Glenn, they to did. move up in the draft. Yep. So they've lost three of their starting offensive linemen over last season already. They have, absolutely. But I think Daniels is, is super important because he's a like he, he's one of the top-rated centers coming out of college. He's one of the top-rated linemen. Again, if he wasn't a center, you'd probably see him going a little maybe higher up in sort of the Will Hernandez-type position. But center is, I think, devalued relative to even, even guards. But what's so important is his movement is really good his ability to block at the second level and do the run blocking stuff and this is going to be a team that's going to lean heavily on that run game as we alluded to earlier um, regardless of what they're building because it is going to be a young support it's about protecting the young quarterback but also I think Daniels not only gives him a bit of protection to the young quarterback replaces probably the best player on their O-line who's gone but also provides a bit more in the running game than some of the other line prospects who are going to be left at this because of his ability to move laterally and his ability to get mm-hmm. to the second level. So I think, for me, it's a no-brainer for the Bills to say, right, we just lost a top-quality centre. Let's get the best centre in the draft who we think can help us play the way mm-hmm. we want to play. Yeah, like my, my, my only rationale for holding back at this point is that uh, I think that there is quite a good bit of line further down in this draft and I think they might try and target there I think the linebackers start to fall off 
uh, probably after the next two or three of them. So I just have them going uh, late at this point. Uh, we have the first of two Patriots picks coming up now. So I've given them uh, linebacker Rashad Evans. Uh, Harry, you've given them offensive tackle Colton Miller. And Fitz, you've given them Harold Landry. So we've got pass rush, which is obviously a position of need from how they played last year. We've got offensive tackle due to the losses in the uh, in the off season, and we've got uh, linebacker because fuck it, I don't know. The Patriots never draft in the first round; they always go fucking defense. So yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, you go first. Yeah, like uh, like I think Harry will 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 agree. Their pass rush for much of last season was non-existent outside of Trey Flowers getting uh, even getting a situational pass rusher which Harold Landry maybe maybe is likely to be in his first season would be a huge boost for them because I think like New England obviously they've built Belichick they will get other they will get offenses into situations you know third and longs and such or something and putting someone like Harold Landry in the right position to stack the opposing quarterback seems like something that the greatest defensive coach of all time should be able to do yeah I mean, greatest everything <laughs> Bill coach. Bill Belichick solves all. Greatest everything coach of all time. Yeah, for me, uh, Colton Miller is the pick here, and part of it is because I think Miller. We need we need help with um, Solder gone, and Miller is maybe might not be on my draft the best uh, raw like straight up. How would you assess this guy tackling remaining? But he's the guy who comps the closest to Solder. Um, when you look at his size and what he can do physically. Uh, his height, he's, he's, I think he's something 6'9", six, 6'10", six, something like mm-hmm. that. This is a, a New England team that likes big left tackles, and that's what he gives them. Um, so I think that, you know, you might say, oh, yeah, you know, there's guys available, like Connor Williams, for example, I think went earlier on this, is more still available than my one, but he might be a slightly better player. But I think Miller is, fits within the style and the scheme that New England mm-hmm. want to do. And I think when you look at the limitations in his game, they're to do with like just how he moves his body and that's the kind of thing you, you think again that can coach out of him but you look at then that physical potential that he's had and it's remarkable and like Solder is some of the things Solder struggled for a while to learn how to use his body properly as a left tackle I think you could see the same thing with Miller but I think the same things that saying I will appeal to New England is saying this could be the same end product a couple of yeah. maybe a, a year down the line as we had with Solder so I think that's why Miller in particular is going to be the pick here for me. Yeah, no, because like I like I said, it's similar to my to my stance on the previous one for the Bills. I think there's going to be a fair whack of guards and tackles doing the rounds in the second round. I think that's where they're going to pick them up. They've got two picks there as well. I've been going for linebacker here because I saw what the Patriots linebacker core looked like last year, and uh, so, it would be nice to actually have a linebacker on the uh, <laughs> on the roster. So uh, Rashad Evans, it is Panthers up next. I have them taking a guard, Will Hernandez, because uh, they. Every year they say they want to start establishing Cam as more of a pocket passer and being able to provide support in the run game. The easiest way to try and do that is, I suppose, put a guard in there who can help with that. And Hernandez, as I said, has gone on both the year boards already. He's quite a good guard, so uh, I think I'll put him in there for the Panthers right now. They uh, they pissed away their last pick on a slot receiver who pretended to be a running back, so no worries. Panthers, you have them taking Marcus Davenport? Yeah, I do. I think we've discussed Davenport earlier and my belief in his limitations, but... I think he's the kind of player that the Panthers need. Their pass rush is aging, to say mm-hmm. the least. 
He's a raw physical prospect who doesn't need to play every snap and every down immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they'll think they can they can make something out of him. I honestly don't like Davenport as a long term prospect, but what the fuck do I know? Like I'm just some idiot. <laughs> so I think um, I think actually yeah, we can, we, can, we can tell them that now. If they're still here, they're already they're stuck. They're hot <laughs> committed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and uh, you've decided to give them safety help over the back with Justin Reed. Fits. Yeah, so this is actually uh, Eric Reed's brother, a controversial. Uh, like basically, he, he's kind of got the athletic profile similar to his brother, just a good all-round safety. I think the big thing they lost Kurt Coleman. Like I think they're literally only free sa- free safety is called Colin Jones. That's not a safety name. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think they have a major need at, at, at free safety in particular. I think at this point he's probably the best player at that position, and he seems to be a guy who's rising up boards as time has gone on. Um, I think he's getting a lot of looks and I think he should should end up in the first round and the Panthers seem like a good place to put him yeah uh, we have the Titans up next uh, again kind of a couple of needs here uh, so I think myself and yourself Harry have decided to deal with their defensive side of the ball and specifically trying to look at their run blocking here uh, their run stuffing because that was a problem for them even in the Chiefs game you could see that being an issue for them so I've given them linebacker Harold Landry to try and shore that up and you've given them defensive tackle Traven Bryan uh, do you want to tell us a bit about him or yeah, Brian's an interesting one because he doesn't have stats coming out of college. Well, I mean, he does, but he doesn't have very many stats coming out of college. I mean, he's, he's somebody who didn't produce a lot, but he showed like a real athletic ability and ability to sort of cause disruption. And I think that's, again, that's the kind of thing that you, again, when you're looking towards the back end of the first round, you're looking at somebody with some elite traits who doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily the full package. I think at this point, Brian is probably a slightly worse player than Maurice Hurst, who hasn't gone on my board yet, but I think that heart thing is going to keep mm-hmm. him down. So I think they go for Brian here as an intriguing prospect on a run, like on a D-line that has not played as well as it should have been and really needs somebody to help out Jarrell Casey. Like, that's what the pick is here. It's like, here's yeah. a guy who hasn't got the most stunning output so far, but who can be a disruptor and who has things that we can polish up and technique we can work on. Yeah. Um, throughout the year so I think that's kind of is why that makes sense for the Titans yeah and Fitz you've gone for wide receiver DJ Moore it's your second wide receiver coming off the board so is this just because we see like a couple of players leaving and them not really getting the production we were expecting yeah like maybe they just like got uh, PTSD from trying to play Eric Decker all season but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I think like you know Marcus Mario they, they, they keep trying every season the buildings around them yet still Delaney Walker is really the only consistent piece he can throw to like, DJ Moore is kind of a yards-after-catch specialist, someone you could throw the ball too short and he can make things happen. I think just having someone for Marcus Mariota so he can dump off so he doesn't put himself at risk would just be a good kind of fit for them, especially with Laney Walker not getting any younger as time goes on. So I think it goes with the first-round pick that they picked last year, who's more of a traditional, like, X receiver, or Y receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think, you know, he, he, DJ Moore, he's getting a lot of hype, moving into first-round consideration for a lot of mocks. So I just, I think Titans make that offense better the defense is already pretty good yeah no fair enough uh, Falcons we've we all seem to be in lockstep on what they need to do we've all given them a defensive tackle myself and yourself Fitz have given them Taven Bryan you've given them Maurice Hurst as we discussed these are very close to each other I think on all of our all of our takes uh, like they lost um, Poe in the off season as well so they need to put a replacement there this is just a fit that makes sense I think whichever one of these yeah. guys is sitting on their board whichever one happens to be the one above the other I think that's all yeah. it is like, like Brian is a raw prospect but Dan Quinn is a defensive coach I think he he comes from the Seahawks school where I can take raw things I can make them better 
uh, and I can turn them into a le- there's potential there for pass rushing from the interior yeah. and that's always going to be added premium in the draft mm. and that's that's what they were looking to get out of Poe and they didn't necessarily get as much of it as they were hoping for 27 up is the Saints uh, Both my, oh myself and Fitz are in agreement on this one we've both given them tight end uh, Hayden Hurst and, and uh, Harry you've given them Sam Hubbard the defensive end do you want to tell us about Sam? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not trying. I have no tight ends on my board. Uh, I just don't think tight ends are worth a first round pick. I'll, but anyway, uh, <laughs> says the team with Gronk. Yeah, like other than like <laughs> one or two obvious exceptions. I mean, like seriously. Um, no, I really. I think Sam Hubbard's a really interesting prospect, um, and I think he fits in well with the kind of defense that the Saints want to run. In terms of they like, he's not. I know it's like a high motor kind of thing, but there really is a genuine sense of that. Like Sam Hubbard is a really um, in, like very good football instincts, very good football awareness, um, and very like hard working. Not in the sense that all football players are hard working, but he's one of those guys who you can pretty much plug in and rely on being able to figure out the situation and and and, and hustle. God, I hate myself and I'm just saying this. This is genuinely what it is. Like, this is a guy who is prototypical in a lot of aspects, isn't sort of outstanding in anything, but is just super, super solid. And for a rookie prospect, like, I think that's nice that you have somebody who you're like, okay, he's not going to blow anyone away and become a megastar, but this is a guy we can plug in, shuffle around mm. a bit, see where he works best. He's got, like, prototypical size and, and speed and so on. Um... The one thing, like I think for the Saints, like I think defense has to be the focus because really this has been where they've turned things around um, over the last year. Really, has been on that defense. I've been having guys who you know, like basically having like one real big name in in, in Cam Jordan, and then sort of plugging in guys who just work and fit the scheme and can play around them. And I think mm-hmm. he's another guy who fits that, makes that stronger, and again makes it easier for Drew Brees to do to do his thing without having to put the entire thing on him. And I think for right now, I think the Saints, if they go offense, I think are a bit crazy because Drew Brees doesn't need another weapon. He's Drew Brees. What they need is people who can give Drew Brees a bit of a break. Fair enough. Like, I think I've gone with the tight end and Fitz, correct me if you're familiar, they wanted Jimmy Graham in the offseason. They couldn't come to an agreement on it. This is a tight end who is a catching tight end, a move-the-sticks type of tight end. He is a guy who can block, doesn't have the ability to put in, maybe not heavy enough to properly block an outside linebacker or something, but will be able to kind of free them up a little bit of time. Gives them distraction for that run game that really started to get going at the back end of last year. Like, I think it makes a huge amount of sense. Uh, I think, again, with a lot of the positions they're looking to draft uh, on defense there's going to be stuff available a little bit later in this draft for them but I think they can get this tight end at this point I think he fits what they were looking to pick up in the offseason and unable to get and they have a history of having kind of focus of the offense tight ends in there so I think that would that would make sense yeah. like Kobe Fleener you know nice try but uh, <laughs> you know get, replacing Jimmy Graham like makes sense for an offense that just looks so good when Drew Brees had that outlet, especially in the end zone, and Hayden Hurst just looks like a good all-round joker tight end who can catch the ball, runs good routes, just solid all together. Nothing spectacular, but just gets the job done. And I think that just could be the missing piece that makes that New Orleans offense even more scary with all the weapons they already have with Kamara and Michael Thomas and Ingram, etc. Could good. be really scary, I think, with him in there. Yeah. Next New Orleans, screw defense. Next Infinite up. Next up, we've got the Steelers. Uh, I've given them a quarterback in Jerry Alexander because I'd rated a lot higher. I thought he might have gone a little bit old, uh, earlier, but he didn't on my on the way my teams fell. 
I think uh, this is someone who can fit well there. They're looking to get younger on defence. Uh, this this fits that. Uh, the pay you guys have both given them Rashawn Evans, linebacker. Uh, outside of the logic that the Steelers just like linebackers a lot, uh, what's your take here? Yeah, well, they, they obviously lost Ryan Shazier. Rashawn Evans isn't the same type of player. He's much more of a coverage linebacker, kind of in, like more traditional inside linebacker. But I think with Shazier on ice for at least one season, probably for the rest of his career, it makes sense for a team that loves linebackers to go back into the pool and get more linebackers. Next up, we have the Jags. I've been going with guard Isaiah Wynn because uh, I think now they're locked in with Bortles. They really need to push hard in that run game. So uh, get a guard in. Uh Harry, you've decided that you're going to trust in uh, trust in the Bort and give them a wide receiver DJ Moore? Yeah, I think he, Bort needs all the help he can get. Very good. And uh, you, Fitz, this is a question because I, I, I can't remember what I had on Dallas Goddard, the tight end. Is this for the pass game or for the blocking game? Uh, both. He's kind of just an all round. I think he, like basically him and Hayden Hurst are kind of considered 1A, 1B, both solid blockers. Both good in the receiving game. Both can run decent routes. Nothing expect. Not like that. Like the upside isn't quite as high as say, you know, uh, like the like like people like Rob Gronkowski, etc. But they're just you can put them in and they'll do solid jobs straight up. At least that's the evaluation. I think they get let go of Mercedes Lewis um, in the off season, so they're very light at that position. So you know, while I'm sure Blake Bortles might become the greatest quarterback of all time and be great with uh, wide receivers and all, I think having a safety valve style, sorry, a safety valve better than Niles Paul and Austin Severian Jenkins might be an emphasis here. Uh, so I'm giving them uh, a decent pick here. Yeah, no, because like the the only thing that would have me holding back off tight end in that spot would be the fact that they did just pay money for Austin Severian Jenkins. I don't, I know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of as a, the, the future, but it's also like I don't know how dedicated to their current offensive setup they are. Full stop. Uh, Vikings up next. Uh, we're all oh, we're all going line on this one. So uh, you guys are going for the offensive tackle Connor Williams. I had him going earlier in mine, and I've given them uh, the center. James Daniels so uh, this is just I suppose protect what they've just given nearly a hundred million dollars guaranteed to yeah basically yeah and their offensive line wasn't actually as bad last season but I think they as much as anyone recognises that injuries do happen and you can be very screwed if your depth isn't there and it's, it's, it's a team who have like a trail of dead quarterbacks as well so I think they yeah. really want to make sure that they're as protected as possible Connor Williams is very flexible, so he could probably play across the line if they need him to in this first yeah. couple of seasons. I think, uh, from what I heard about Daniels, he'd be able to swap into guard spots too, so it should be okay. Yeah, yeah I think when I had this sort of draft, it's, I took Connor Williams this as a tackle, but I think they will draft him and convert him to interior. Yeah, I think I had the same for, for Daniels. I think it was going to be maybe camp competition and then see who they want to sit in there, who gels with the new head honcho. Uh, Patriots second pick now, 31. I've gone with cornerback Joshua Jackson. Are you going with cornerback Jerry Alexander? and Fitz has gone with offensive tackle Colton Miller so I think similar to what we were saying beforehand the tackle because to replace and the cornerbacks because well to replace and also to you know give more people for uh, Belichick to sit right yeah well I mean no. That, well look I mean we're going to take three cornerbacks from Rutgers in the second round you've never heard of them we'll never play again like who are crowded for sixth round draft grades but we always do <laughs> I like Alexander. I think he's good. We've already, I think you've already discussed him when talking about the Steelers. So yeah, like um, solid, solid pick. I think was it well, Joshua Jackson. I quite like, and I think he's coming up for you for the Eagles next. He uh, is indeed. Pick thirty-two. Uh, you've gone with Joshua Jackson to give them cornerback help there. Yeah, because the cornerbacks are all in jail. <laughs> yeah, it's not going too well for them there. And uh, we've both given them uh, Darius Geis, the running back, because uh, this is, to be honest, my head almost like a luxury pick they could do with it. Added in, nice mixture of running backs there for them to have a big varied offense. 
I like I, like I, I don't know about you, but I, the JHI thing after this year, I imagine that he'll be going to free agency and yeah. then gone. So get someone getting a beast type running back between the tackles guy who uh, can learn behind him makes sense. And they just love having loads of running backs at this point anyway. Yeah, no, of course. So we will do a quick run and that is the first 32 picks of the whole first round. Uh, the consensus pick for, just to see if the random computer machine can beat us, uh, which it almost certainly will, uh, we have Josh Rosen to the Browns, Sam Darnold to the Giants, Baker Mayfield to the Jets, uh, Bradley Chubb to the Browns, Josh Allen to the Broncos, Saquon Barkley to the Colts, Derwin James to the Buccaneers, Quentin Nelson to the Bears, Denzel Ward to the 49ers, Minka Fitzpatrick to the Raiders, Tremaine Edwards to the Dolphins, Lamar Jackson to the Bills, Vita Vey to the Washington Mazungus, uh, Raquan Smith to the Packers, Harold Landry to the Cardinals, Calvin Ridley to the Ravens, Leighton Van Der Etch to the the Chargers, Mike McGlinchey to the Seahawks, Deron Payne to the Cowboys, Marquise Hurst to the Lions, Will Hernandez to the Bengals, Marcus Davenport to the Bills, Isaiah Wynn to the Patriots, James Daniels to the Panthers, Rashad Evans to the Titans, the Falcons are getting Travon Bryant, uh, Hayden Hurst to the Saints, DJ Moore to the Titans, uh, Tavon Bryant to the Falcons, Hayden Hurst to the Saints, Rashad Evans, Rashawn Evans to the Steelers, uh, Dallas Goddard to the Jaguars, Connor Williams to the Vikings, Joshua Jackson to the Patriots, and uh, Mr. Irrelevant for the first round, uh, <laughs> Darius Geist to the Eagles. Uh, so this should be fun. We will be scoring these up following the uh, draft and uh, just kind of wallowing in the fact that we're going to score about eight points each out of yeah. a potential hundred or well, something. I think I got like three last year. So. Yeah, it did not go too well last year. Um, but no, uh, that should be good. So any other crack with yourselves, lads? Uh, I think like this is going to take us up till past the draft and we're going to start into our kind of off-season talks. So. We have the uh, the schedule releases coming up this week as well. It's April 26th is the draft, right? Uh, yes, Friday week, I think, or Thursday week. Uh, that is a... Thursday. Thursday. Let's take Friday off and get drunk draft. Oh, could definitely do that now. We'll have a wee look. Not be recording a live podcast this year. Though. No, no. <laughs> Never again. That was our best podcast ever. No, well, you don't know that. You haven't listened to it. <laughs> I have. It's great. I flicked you for some bits and I'm like, oh, God, we're so drunk. Uh, <laughs> But no, that should be good. Any other crack for the next few weeks, lads? Other than, obviously, uh, facing into the fun referendum time. Yes, uh, not much to try to plan that Tarek Stag. Oh, fun times. It's not going well. So far, the suggestions we have are tanks. <laughs> That's it. That's the only okay, suggestion so, we have. So you're going to, like, Tallinn or somewhere, is it? Uh, I think the place mentioned was Budapest? No, that can't be right. Bucharest? Maybe Bucharest. Yeah. Uh, somewhere, it was somewhere out east, anyway, and yeah. it was like, drive tanks! <laughs> um, I think the novelty might wear off of that pretty fucking quickly it's uh, oh it is Budapest apparently there you go mm, thank you um, so yeah I don't know we'll see how that goes hopefully we will not do that but we'll see how the practice uh, yeah no that's good what are yourself fits any plans in the next couple of weeks uh, going back home to Cavan this weekend oh yeah of course for the granny's 80th so very good uh, good for her I think the present that my family has decided on which I had no input in is apparently vouchers for paint so to paint her hall so Solid. Adam tells you how exciting the life of an 80 year old is she's um, literally going to as her birthday present watch paint dry possibly she'll be smoking so she'll be happy yeah very good yeah I've just got assignments and then uh, book me tickets for uh, Scrapper Mania oh, so that should be a good crack very good uh, that's on in I think three or four weeks I uh, booked a load of stuff for the Literary Festival coming up in Dublin, so that should be 
Slightly more cultured. Nerd. Yeah. Uh, Neil Gaiman's coming though. That'll be fun. Uh, and a few other ones. Uh, but yeah, no, I'd say that. Nothing else too wild or crazy. Just flat to the mat on mats. The the, the most fun of all the things. The when is that over? <laughs> uh, seven weeks. Uh, maths I'm, is never over. I, I'm intending to take a trip down to Cork to visit you and go on the pish at some point soon, Ronan. Don't worry. <laughs> You're just coming here to find out my math skills. Oh, no, no, I'm going to do that over Skype. (laughs) Speaking of which, you free this weekend? (laughs) I'll give you distraction from the granny's 80th. Uh, No, that's perfect, lads. So, uh, obviously, we ran very long on this one, so we didn't take your questions. We'll be taking a lot more of them as we do the the previews of the different divisions and teams in the coming season. But uh, I suppose for now, that'll do. So it'll be bye from myself, bye from Harry. Bye. Bye from Ronan. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you in a couple of weeks. Bye.